What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast, and I am your host, Supreme Decisions. And today, I actually want to talk about something because I hear a lot of, hell, mostly people saying, well, the cop is going to testify against me and the judge is going to take their word for it. And generally, that is the case because, again, everybody's on the same team. Now, I've actually used the words, um, police have, well, actually, I used the comments of police have no idea what law is because they're trained to generate revenue. I've come up with several stories and things of that nature where I've shown this to be relevant. But today, I'm going to point out something because I've also gone over putting together a detailed discovery because you want to do something that is uncommon. And the thing that I talk about that's being uncommon is actually fighting back and defending yourself. What that entails is actually documenting, exercising your known rights because man only has the rights he will defend. I actually got that from a speech where it states man only has the rights he can defend. The problem is most of us can. There is a limitless possibility of can. There's a limited of will. Because even when you're talking about something that I love, which I do every Saturday, is watch a fight. A lot of times willpower can overcome something as stringent as talent. The will to fight back is the separation between falling down and staying down. This is actually no different from that because today, just like last week when we spoke about the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr., how we forget that these police officers are human beings. We forget that human beings actually create error when in fact it's us that are not doing things because we're programmed to believe certain instances which is why the case of Giglio or Giglio v. US is one that I want to talk about and it's G-I-G-L-I-O v. United States 407 U.S. 150, and it was a 1972 Supreme Court case. And what I want you to understand is how this ties into Brady. I've also spoken about that a prosecutor must turn over information regarding the character of a police officer if they've ever lied in previous testimony. You've actually started to hear me speak about the police officers using stock language and the inability of stock language to supply things such as specificity. You also hear me talk about Jordan B. Prince where he spoke about pretty much the police officers that are pretty much beat cops are not highly intelligent. I use the phrase trained attack dogs because again I speak of that in the reference of generating revenue because what they're doing is exercising the training because just like my partner said, they're being punished for doing what they're trained to do when in fact the system itself is working as they are trained to perform it. Now, there are going to be times, again, I say things. You may not like it, but I actually have actual stories I actually have the Supreme Court cases to back up the things I'm saying you may not like me because hell I'm not a good person I didn't grow up as a good person it does not change what the law is it does not change the things that I am saying you may not like the term you can use whatever term it is that you seek has nothing to do with the law because the law doesn't care either way. It's situational. Each act is done and different situations apply to different Supreme Court cases. 
Now, in this case, I'm going to use broad strokes because just like I spoke about, I've spoken about discovery. This is part of the discovery process. Now, I'm going to speak about one of my favorite targets, and that's the Los Angeles Police Department. Because we know, you know, since Rodney King, they've been such good people. And they have been pretty much above and beyond reproach. I've actually picked on Arizona. I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple jabs at them. I'm even going to go into Richmond or Fairfax County, Virginia, and their police department. Because there was a young man who had planted evidence on 400 plus people who he lied to to search their vehicles. I'm going to say that one more time. It was a young man in Fairfax County, Virginia, police officer, who lied to people. He searched their cars. He planted evidence on them. And when he was caught, his response was, this is what we were trained to do. Again, remember my guy in Atlanta. He stated, we are being punished for doing what we are trained to do. You remember the things that I say. They don't know law. They are trained to generate revenue. This is a story that I actually got from Trevor Noah. I was watching Trevor Noah because he initiated the research. I continued on with it because on the surface, it just sounds like there's only a few bad apples. I'm going to say that one more time because on the surface, it only sounds like there are only a few bad apples. Well, we can call that. We can call that. We call it. We can say there are only a couple. There's, there's only. It's only a couple. Chris Rock stated, "When you're in a place such as civil service, such as a police officer, a governmental employee, can't have a few bad apples." And even in the context of understanding we have to go beyond where it is that we are seeing and what we are believing so I'm gonna be real quick not doing all of my commercials today but I want you to understand where it is the preface of where I'm going and I want you to get context of what it is that I'm saying to you so Urban Gyros, 1550 North Zaragoza Drive, Suites 201 and 202 in El Paso, Texas, 79936. Stop in. They are actually having a drawing. You can order through the website, urbangyrostx.com, and leave a review. You can sign up for your drawing for 500 bucks. Yes, you can sign up for a drawing for 500 bucks. Leave a review, order through their website. It's Mediterranean food with an urban twist. Again, Urban Gyros, and it's UrbanGyrosTX.com, El Paso, Texas. Go and get your big-ass taco. Next, we have that burger spot, number three, in South Lake Parkway in Jonesboro, Georgia, right outside of ATL, shawty, where you can go and pick up one of the best burgers possible. They are serving, they're fresh, and they're made to order. And your stomach will thank you. Stop in to that burger spot number three, Jonesboro, Georgia, South Lake Parkway. So, let's go on and get to it. Trevor Noah did a piece, or got pieces of the information about the Los Angeles Police Department. And the initial start was July 10th, 2020. And remember, the World Act was actually shut down at that point for most of us. Now, where it comes in is these three officers put innocent people in a gang database using false information. They also used it as a pretext to... 
basically make them criminals when in fact they were not. Because you know, anytime you're arrested, you must have done it because these human beings can't make mistakes. The one thing that state doesn't do once ever these human beings make a mistake is they can't apologize because they can't acknowledge that mistake. Because we forget they are fallible. And I say these things simply because I'll have these police apologists that'll tell me, well, you have to understand it's a dangerous job. And again, these dangerous people, these people that took this dangerous job, knew it was dangerous prior to applying. They knew it was dangerous prior to going through the training. They knew it was dangerous when they started lying to people to make them criminals. But they did it anyway. So why is it I need to understand their decisions? So most people will think that's not really a big deal, but it is a big deal when you're being arrested and you're being affiliated with something and then they're using it as a pretext to lump you into a group. Hmm. Well, we heard that before, I think. We, yeah, But we're not going to get into that. Because, again, this is something that they did when they were trying to put together a RICO um, charge. Well, actually, when they put together a RICO charge against myself and several of my brothers. When, in fact, there was no basis for a RICO charge. But they also started arresting people and saying, Hey, you know him. You are part of his gang. You are a part of his organization. You are a part of his group. I didn't know 90% of the people that they were saying was a part of me. me. Because they knew me. Because they knew of me. Because they were listening to something that I had put out. They were all of a sudden a part of a group. That's what these officers were doing. They had no proof of this. In fact, they lied about the pretext of this Injunction, the stop, this questioning, whatever you want to call it, the encounter was lied about. All based for performance reviews. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you have heard of things such as an incentive. You know, when they have to get their numbers, you know, a quota. They got a certain quota that they have to meet, which is an incentive. I watched a show where they talked about Christmas bonuses, where officers are arresting or detaining people, stopping them for minor crimes in order to get overtime around this time of year. You know, the holiday season where you give gifts for pretty much no real reason because most people are ungrateful and think they're entitled to something. But that's neither here nor there. These officers were creating crime. So basically, they were being offered an incentive to create crime, which benefited not only themselves, but the system itself. Why? Because just like asset forfeitures I'm going to get into, it speaks of it has to be an injured party. It has to deal with the crime before they can begin taking assets. Because if there was no benefit from a crime, there can be no releasing of that asset. Why? Because every person is private in their property, person, and papers. Property, persons, paper. The three P's are all private. There has to be a reason in order for something to be taken from you. Because someone cannot take something from you that does not belong to them. I'm going to say they cannot take something from you if it does not belong to them. So these three officers, Braxton Shaw, 38. Michael Koblenz, 44. Nicholas Martinez, so we're not dealing with people who did not have the faculties of knowing the things that they were doing was wrong. So they, even if you were trained to do a certain thing, these are not children. I'm going to say that one. These are not children. They were given instructions on how to do something. They use it as an incentive to lie on someone. They use it as an incentive to fatten their own pockets. Brings me back to Scarface. 
he lived in a place where the police committed more crimes than the criminals. I'm going to say that one more time. Scarface, if you're a 90s baby, you understand what I'm saying. Scarface. I live in a place where the police commit more crimes than the criminals. We talked about the Baltimore Police Department, where 90% of the department was brought up on reprimands for planting evidence on suspects during things such as stop and frisk or a false drop. You have people being released from prison from what they call dropped weapons. You know, because the police actually don't know how to solve a crime, so they create one. Terry V. Ohio used the words hypothesis, which means they're doing some sort of scientific study. They're not actually doing something that allows them to be free and to do it in an organized and proper manner, which then goes back to the stock language. When I spoke about the three police officers or four police officers that was depicted in the Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. murder, I spoke about how all these officers had the exact same police report from the exact same incident. And the great part about it is how do you have the exact same vantage point from four different perspectives? I'm going to ask that question one more time. How do you have the exact same vantage point from four separate perspectives unless you're using stock language? You're taking away someone's ability to think. You're taking away their actual option to speak. You're taking away their voice to do what it is that's necessary to actually be heard properly. Stock language, which means we now go into, I guess, the conclusion of the lie. But what happens with that is one of those things I talk about in Discovery because I talk about in the, getting a Discovery package, getting the arrest affidavits, getting the search affidavits, or the application which set up the probable cause for the search warrant. The application for, search for the probable cause of the arrest warrant. Doing the things necessary as required by law. To continue going forward as a lawful means. Because a lot of times we actually do believe because it is a truth. Because we don't know what it is we're asking for. We don't know what it is that we're looking for. We don't even know what it is that we are supposed to ask. When we're sitting in front of that judge or the better part of it, we don't understand how to ask better questions. Because even whenever I started this, one of the things that was like, it was funny to me because I would get angry. I, I would just ask questions and I would forget, forget about little things such as the art of war where I have to offer my, my, I guess, combatant, fellow combatant, because that's what we have in the adversarial system. Our fellow combatant, a means of leaving. You have to offer them a way out. And I would ask questions that boxed them in at every turn. And then I understood Anthony Robbins when he states, ask better questions. In the questioning, I then allowed those that were not part of my target to get out the way. I allowed them to do something called covering their own ass. I allowed them to not hinder me by asking better questions. So now when we go into these things, we begin to weaponize our defense because yes we know going in that the judge is going to take the police officer's side we already know that it's it's the easy but why because that's part of the system that's part of the juice that's what we do but understanding once the encounter happens we now have an ability the power of the pen and we exercise our rights. We don't have to tell them that because anytime you're telling someone something, it becomes obvious that it's not an obvious thing. Because just to give you one for my biblical folks, everybody talked about Samson. Then you see all these these movies where Samson is just picked as this Herculean muscular dude that's just just muscles everywhere. Now my question to you is if he would look like that, if Samson actually looked Huge and strong and muscular. Why would they ask him where his strength came from? 
He obviously didn't look like he was very strong because if he did, that would then become a stupid question. Where does your strength come from? I wouldn't ask a dude with 22-inch arms, where does his strength come from? It's coming from the gym from all this damn weight he's lifting. But I would not ask a man with 22-inch arms that's lifting a car, where does his strength come from? Because it's obvious. So when we're asking these questions, it becomes asking the things that are not obvious. So even in our exercise of our rights, you don't need to do that. You just need to exercise. You need to put pen to paper. You need to make sure the ink is still wet when you're handing it to them. Y'all don't hear me? But here it is. I'm going, I'm going to go through this real quick because it's not a quick thing today. And I actually want to give a quick shout out. Thank you, Spotify. Thank you, Pandora. Thank you, iHeartRadio for supporting your boy. And especially iTunes because that's where the love started. We're going to continue there. But those that are listening on, what is this? The Spotify Green Room and Clubhouse, I welcome you guys. And I want you to understand something. The thing that I'm offering you is an ability to stand up for yourself. Because again, I'm not, I'm not done with the first part of this because while today, as you can see, I'm a little bit more animated than usual. I'm actually more in, more entrenched in it. I guess I don't know exactly what you would call it, but I'm actually a little bit more motivated today because looking at this and understanding the things that are being given to you is now one of those things that allow you to see what it is that I see, understand hearing what I'm hearing. And as V from Vendetta, and feeling what I'm feeling. Because when we talk about Brady v. Maryland, it starts with the ask. It starts with the demand. It starts with the motion. And one of the first three is the motion for discovery. Now, if you look at most codified, uh, most codified discoveries, it's going to tell you 10 to 15 days. Anywhere in there, it kind of varies. A couple of them go as far as 20. Now, we also know that state statutes, in order for them to be laws, they have to coincide with federal statutes. Which then, when we go into federal discovery, we look at 10 days. Now, what happens is there is a form that needs to be filled out and filed into your case prior to in order to enact those 10 days you have to notify them that you are going to be representing your own interests or if you hire an attorney or you have a public pretender who's paid to lose you know and I'm going to give you another 90's reference you know the glass joe of defense attorneys there is supposed to be that 10 day enactment now, there are also consequences if those 10 days are exceeded because there are steps that have to go through that. I've gone through that with discovery, but we're just going to stick on the initial ask. One of the things I t also talk about is I talk about getting the police report because one of the things I also talk about when we're setting up the case is you can't argue with yourself. Once it's written, it's sworn to, it's sealed, signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm yours. Because now, that's when the fun begins. Because now you can ask them the things that they wrote down. Why? Because it has to be supported by evidence. This is why I never tell you, as the defense, to offer an alibi. I don't even tell you to write an affidavit to give your side. Why? Because no one cares. In this, the police officer is giving his or her side, their ideas of what happened through stock language. What happens in Brady, because I also told you the police officer is going to come into court via amicus brief, which is that police report. I'm going to say that one more time. The police officer is coming in as an expert on law 
based on the amicus brief. They're coming in as an expert, yet the practice is not law. But they're coming in as experts on those statutes in which they have charged you with. Say that one more time. They're coming in as experts through amicus brief based on the charges that they've assigned to you. That's a beautiful thing, ain't it? Therefore, the judge is going to believe them. Why? Because they're an expert witness. I'm going to go through some things in my master class which deal with handling an expert witness. But for the benefit of those that are listening today, I'm going to give you a few things that you can ask the expert police officer. Just a couple. I'm going to hit you with a couple of jabs here and there, but I want you to understand something. You're going to be given something. And today is going to be the gift of just a couple of things. I want you to see what it is I see. I want you to feel what it is I feel. Because what happens is when I finish the story that was started by Trevor Noah I'm going to go into how it deals with Brady v. Maryland I'm going to go into how it deals with the discovery I'm going to go into how it deals with Giglio v. United States because on July 10th 2020 59 count indictment was handed down to Braxton Shaw who was age 38 Michael Koblenz who was age 44, and Nicholas Martinez, who was age 37, because again, these are not children, right? More than 20 more officers at that time were being investigated for the exact same thing, you know, so they can be punished for doing the things they were trained to do, doing the thing that Mr. Fonts in Fairfax County, Virginia, was trained to do to 400-plus innocent people. And that was to plant evidence on them and lie on them. On October 2nd, 2020, Renee Braga, age 40, Raul Urip, age 34, Julio Garcia, age 36. Again, not children. Have the ability to know right from wrong. Had the ability to know what they were doing was not lawful. And thank you, plain. They were also charged with oath violations. You know, because people tell me that that don't happen. Even though I just gave you a couple in Georgia, the DA in Georgia was charged with an oath violation. Several police officers in Georgia was um, filed with federal oath violations. These police officers also were charged with oath violations because, you know, people say that don't happen, but it seems to be happening. Anyway, a judge was then forced to throw out 15 cases involving the accused officers because of credibility issues. Now, here's what a great part about it. I did a video, shit, I want to say about two years, at least two years ago, in which I talked about a brief that was done in California. And I also spoke about how the police chief is trying to get rid of any officer who has a write-up, gets the ability to have it, I guess, retroactively destroyed after 60 days if they don't get another one. Last week, you heard me talk about multiple officers that was involved in the murder of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. that had multiple disciplinary actions, even one 
where he had several racial interactions that were deemed unethical. But he was still out patrolling minority areas. He was still out doing the things that he was reprimanded for doing not once, not twice, but more than four times. And yet nobody wanted any culpability and he didn't lose any pay. And it took them almost a year to fire him. But what happens when we're having officers of this nature, when you're involved in a case that involves these things, the reason a judge will throw out these cases is because the expert witness is not credible. This is where Jiglio v. United States comes into play. Because when we're asking for things and we understand the, the government and the Sunshine Act, certain things we can't ask for. However, we can structure questioning to bring up the fact that they're using stock language. We can bring up the fact that the statements that the officer is making is not supported by evidence. We can also bring up the character of those. Why? Because we have the ability to face our accusers. We also have the ability to face the character of our accusers. What happens is when a prosecutor decides to put that officer on the witness list, that officer becomes fair game. Every disciplinary action can be called. Every write-up can be called. And here's a great question. Here's the first question. Get your pen and paper out. You ready? Because we already know they're using stock language. You can ask, has officer such and such, have you ever been accused or misspoke using stock language in any police report in your career. There's only one way they can answer that. And that's yes. Why? Because using stock language, they cannot be elaborate. They cannot give precise documentation, which is why oftentimes, more often than not, when a police officer gives a depiction of an encounter, almost 90% of the time, they are far off when there's either audio available or video or both, which is why they don't turn over um, body cam footage, you know, because there was an hour and a half incident, hour and a half long incident, they turned over 26 seconds of body cam footage, and that was from a taser, 26 seconds, one hour, and I think it was like 28 minutes that they were involved with Mr. Chamberlain. Or hour and 48 minutes, excuse me, 26 seconds. Hour and 48 minutes they were involved with Mr. Chamberlain prior to murdering him. Yet, no video of an actual interaction. All of them gave reports and all of them were going to quote unquote slide. They were going to go by. They were going to be exonerated. Oh, this was a good killing. This, this, this was a good shoot. But the life alert audio contradicted everything that was written down by all four officers. I'm going to say that. The audio from the life alert that was recording for the entire time contradicted everything that these four officers said. The judge had to throw out 15 cases because the credibility of these officers were in the question. The question now is, have you ever been accused of misspeaking? 
in your police reports? That answer is yes, because they're using stock language. These officers were caught because they were using stock language. Now, the Supreme Court held in Brady v. Maryland that due process is violated when the prosecutor withholds evidence on demand of an accused. The motion for discovery, when you're asking for a detailed discovery, a prosecutor is found to have violated due process when a prosecutor withholds evidence on demand of an accused, which is made available, would tend to exonerate him or reduce the penalty. If I ask for audio, because I also remember I gave you a couple of Supreme Court cases that stated that even if the prosecutor doesn't have it, they're still liable for it. Even if the police have it, they're still liable for it. Guess what? Even if the police don't have it, they're still liable for it. Why? Because they're the ones that are cherry-picking this case. Why? Because, again, free will, officer discretion, prosecutorial discretion. Discretion actually means free will. Because I take discretion in giving you this information. I'm giving it to you through my free will. Understanding that this is what it is. Understanding that even if you don't understand what it is you're supposed to do, these are things that you can actually look up for yourself. Because even in Jiglio, the court went further and held that all impeachment evidence falls under the Brady holding. This means that the prosecutor is obligated to disclose all inf information or material that may be used to impeach the credibility of prosecu prosecutorial witnesses. Including situations where police officers act as witnesses for the prosecution. Remember, I stated in the discovery package, one of the things you're supposed to get are the witnesses against you, you know, through the Sixth Amendment. You have the right to confront those against you. Now, what happens then? The Brady and Giglio precedents require police officers to be especially careful to avoid any actions or statements that could compromise their credibility. Here's the problem with that. Being careful in their statements. How do you make sure someone's careful in their statements? You give it. You give it to them. This is what you write in this situation. Doing the things they are trained to do. These are the words that you say in this situation. Doing the things they are trained to do. The prosecution is legally required to disclose any misconduct or compromising information regarding the witness to the defense attorney or the defense who will then use it to impeach the law enforcement witness on the stand. Who will then use it to impeach the law enforcement witness on the stand to impeach the law enforcement witness on the stand. And... Here's the beautiful part, because I actually, I actually, I'm, I'm actually digging this clubhouse and, um, was the Spotify green room? Cause we got people in here. It's, it's amazing. I'm looking at, looking at a couple of things. Young man stopped in, and. Instead of adding to the conversation like most of these police apologists do, he went to name calling. Because here's the problem. Most people don't want an ability to fight back. Because people don't fight back due to fear, ignorance, or convenience. I actually have to add that ignorance. 
because most people actually don't even understand what it is. So they'd rather not. Because understanding the will, the will is in the minority, not the majority. I'm going to say that again. The will is in the minority, not the majority. Because you look at certain champions that are fighting. We love them not because they, they won the belt. We love them because they were able to defend their championship. We love them because they kept coming back. They kept fighting. They kept moving forward. You looked at Ali. He said, I'm going to show you I'm the greatest. And we understood how great he was simply by... The number of times he got knocked down and then he got up. How many times he lost the belt and went back and won. Because even one of my favorites, Ric Flair. One of the greatest sayings he had was, can you walk that aisle one more time? 21 time heavyweight champion of the world. Can you walk that aisle one more time? Because he knew he could. He had the will to continue moving forward. Now, I know a lot of you are not going to get what I'm talking about, but it's okay because... Not meant for everybody. I'm a hard seed to swallow. But understanding, I understand the difference. Because most of us do this doing our podcast, we're doing our videos, we're doing certain things, even mostly lives. We just go out with live with no substance and we just want attention. We want somebody to hear us. Problem is, a fool seeks to speak. An intelligent man needs to have something to say. I don't need to be heard, but I have something to say. And here's the great part. It's not my opinion. I don't care if you like it or don't like it. I don't care if you like me or don't like me. This actually is not for me. This is for you. If you choose not to accept something that's given to you, that's your business. On to the next. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to continue doing the things that I'm doing, and I love you for it anyway. And here's, a, here's, an, here's another thing. A common problem across police departments and other law enforcement agencies is a failure to consistently provide local prosecutors with credible information. A common problem across police departments and other law enforcement agencies is a failure to consistently provide local prosecutors with credible information. Now, what happens is the prosecutor is responsible. Why? Because, again, they're cherry-picking. Prosecutorial discretion. The teehee is... They're making a choice. And they're hoping you don't fight back. Because out of 100 people, only five are going to fight back. Only five of them have the will to stand in, against the fire. I use that as looking the devil in the eye. You have to become a monster to be the monster. But you can't allow that monster to become who you are. That's what has to happen. You have to be bigger and better. Because as one of them was told, you are the God killer. Our government wants us to look at them as deities. The problem is they're servants. Our governors want us to look at them as deities, yet they are servants that don't want to serve. So when we're looking at the responsibility of the prosecutor, it, even the police officer, they're passing it off. Oh, well, you, we gave it to you. It's up to you. We gave it to you. It's up to you. And then when they choose a case to not file, why? Because across all police departments, they're failing to give credible information to their prosecutor. And the prosecutor saying, you know what? Not on this one. Stakes too high. Not on this one. We're good. Because, again, their job is not to lose. Their job is not to waste time or money. Their time is to generate revenue. Why? Because police officers are designed or incentivized to create crime. The police officers are incentivized to create crime. The system itself is designed to cherry pick those that they can pick and get crime from, that they can actually inconvenience, make sure they're ignorant, or see how scared they get. 
Because what happens? They put you in a cold room. They start threatening you. They start lying to you. You know, all of this is legal. They start telling you things that they can't possibly do themselves. Yet you believe them. Why? Because you've been programmed to believe their lie. You've been programmed to believe what they're saying is credible. You're programmed to believe nothing that you can do can stop them. Yet, they have an because again, I think I said this a couple years ago. Police officers are not trained to solve cases. I spoke about the police officer I had contact with in Georgia during a actual murder. There was an actual murder. He was he was the detective on it, and yet he did not know what the word amenable means. He didn't know what the word amenable means, yet he swore to the Constitution of Georgia. He didn't even understand paragraph two or Article Two, Paragraph One. He had to be amenable to the public at all times. Guess what? I am the public. And those that don't know what amenable means, it means open to suggestion. When I speak to you, you have to give me an answer. Why? Because you are a servant. You swore to be a servant. And a servant can't give a master instructions absent a crime. Or it becomes a Fourth Amendment violation. Why? Because it's called a show of authority stop, Terry v. Ohio. Because again, when we're talking about these things, I keep saying these things. I keep showing you these things. But yet, we have young people here that decide that it's better to name call than to actually exercise. We are forced to believe people that are incentivized to make you a criminal. Because even my son, one, one, uh, uh, he's one of my favorite rappers because he, he does a lot of freestyles that I like. And one of the things he said, they don't call you slave no more, they call you criminals. I watched a show called all rise. The first, very first show says, thank you for committing your crime, yet these people have not been convicted of anything. They don't call you slave no more, they call you criminal. Had a young lady that I spoke with last week, she actually looked up the word slave. The very definition fits our criminal system. They don't call you slaves no more, they call you criminal. Because you're a criminal, they put you in a group. They get to label you, and then they're incentivized to do so. But when I say this, I'm the bad guy. When I read this, I'm the bad guy. And it's written. This shit was actually written before I was born, yet I'm the bad guy because I have the ability to comprehend and apply. Yet, someone wishes to call me names simply because I have the ability to think for myself. But here's the funny part. You ready? Didn't change anything. You can call me whatever name that makes you feel good at night to sleep. Because the weakest one in the room actually is the one that can't think of anything. One of my favorite shows was Harvey. Harvey Dent. Harvey said, if someone has a gun to your head, what do you do? Mike said, Mike Ross said, I don't know. He said, well, there are 101 different things that available to you. You just have to pick the right one. So at no point did he stop thinking just because the gun was to his head. In fact, the pressure created an idea for him. It created multiple ideas. It actually created a litany of it. It allowed him to keep functioning, keep going, keep moving. His will was the separation between Harvey being a great defense attorney, a great trial lawyer, and an understanding litigator. I want you to understand those are differences. 
Because he wasn't great at everything. He was just great at what he was doing because he understood the game. He understood things on the level of knowing is half the battle. You know they're not giving credible information. You know they're using stock language. So the first thing you need to attack because you have an opportunity once you get the discovery and you write it down and you request it, and now you place the liability not only on the prosecutor but on the judge, you now take power from them. Because one thing a judge doesn't want is a bunch of acquittals. A judge doesn't want a bunch of appeals. Why? Because now if you're convicted and you brought up the fact that this officer had multiple complaints, you asked for things that was not turned over, yet it, the case continued, judge is not liable. The prosecutor is not liable. Why? Because they're cherry picking these cases. The fight does not end just because they beat you. I might have lost the battle, but I didn't lose the war. You have to have a mindset of what is enough for you? What is your level of justice? What is, what's the outcome you're looking for? How far are you willing to go? Because I was even asked, nine for an hour, we both lose our sight. What if I'm willing to lose my sight? I'm willing to lose that eye. An eye for an eye, we both lose our sight. We both go blind. I'm good with that. Let's go. What are you willing to do? Because when you know what's going on, you have to take the context of what it is, how far are you willing to ask. Because here it is. The, the work, first thing, ready to get to, I hope you got your pen and papers. I hope you still have it. If the witness is aware of any specific instances of misconduct, both within and outside the scope of his or her employment, that may bear on the witness credibility, including the finding of lack of candor during an administrative inquiry. What's candor? The lack of the ability to speak freely. The use of stock language. That's the first thing to weaponize your defense. Attack the fact that they're using stock language. If the witness is aware of any specific instances of misconduct, both within and outside the scope, both inside and outside, both what we are trained to do of his or her employment that may bear witness to the credibility of that witness. These are things that you can ask on the stand because these are the basis of where you're going to preface your questions for this expert that's coming through an amicus brief that's placed before you with the police report, the affidavits they are using for the arrest warrant, the affidavits that they are using for the search warrant, and the lack of all the above. Because again, the details, the devil is in the details. You also have to understand a vigorous defense. You have to ask for it. Because remember, it was on the demand of the accused. Didn't sound like an opinion to me. It sounded like the Supreme Court had found in Brady v. Million, uh, can't speak for whatever reason. The Supreme Court had found in Brady v. Maryland that due process is violated when the prosecution withhold evidence on demand of an accused. The power of the pen is mightier than the sword. The pen is mightier than the sword. Understanding that. Exercise. Put it in writing. Because again, those are even Supreme Court cases that I gave you. Understand the context of where this is going. Understanding what it is that you should believe and exercise and practice. These are things that take your defense to the weaponizing stage. Because you have to understand what it is. What's your level of justice? What is it that you're willing to go through? What is your sacrifice? What are your ideas? What is your focus?
What is your reason to fight back? If nothing more than to just be left alone, what is your reason for fighting back? Because if the witness has any pending allegations of misconduct with his or her employing agency, because again, we found out about the young man that was in Arizona. Oh hell, let, let me go a little more, a little more, a little more recent. Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. We witnessed him sit on George Floyd's carotid artery, which is you know on the neck. No, he was on his carotid artery because it was a jujitsu move. Now understanding, he did that for eight minutes, forty six seconds. Departments mandates the maximum amount of time is two minutes. If the witness had any pending allegations of misconduct with his or her employee agency, he had four at the time of the murder of George Floyd. Say that one more time. He had four at the time of the murder of George Floyd, so his credibility was shit. And what happens is most people never ask the question. They never get to that point of getting the ability for a judge to be forced to throw out individual cases involving that officer because of credibility issues. Because we never ask the question. Why? Because we're not told that we can ask them. Yet, we have a Supreme Court case from 1972 that says you need to be asking this because there is a procedure. Because you have Freedom of Information Act that allows for this. You have an Open Government Act that requires this. If the witness has ever had criminal charges filed against him or her, regardless of the outcome of the charges. Now that one is interesting. Because we've seen officers such as, um, I believe his name is, what is his name? Because I want to I wanna go for it. I want, God dang it. The young man that was in Atlanta that shot the, the guy in the back at Wendy's in Atlanta in 2020. I cannot remember his name offhand. And you know what? Give me a second because I'm going to find it because I actually pulled it up. Just got to find out where I pulled it up at. Because I was hoping. I live with the wish factor on this one. The officer, Garrett Rolfe, who killed Rashard Brooks at Wendy's in Atlanta in 2020, he had criminal charges filed against him prior to the Rashard Brooks shooting. Why? Because he had fired his weapon unlawfully prior. Fired his weapon killing Rashard Brooks, got his job back, was involved literally a week later in another officer-involved shooting. So three shootings where his credibility is shit. Because, again, we're thought if there's charges, we're programmed to believe that there's guilt. When, in fact, 2.1 million people are in our current prison system. 800 Thousands of these people are in there and they haven't been convicted of anything. Uh-oh. 840,000 to be closer to the number. Mostly because of bail. Mostly because they have yet to ask for a speedy trial. They've yet to force the prosecution to do anything. But even asking the question, do you have any allegations? Are you a crook? Even asking that question, are you a criminal? Do you have any charges going against you? Simple question. Are there any pending charges? Most of the time they can't even be answered. Because, again, that goes directly to the credibility and character of that expert witness. If the witness has ever been charged with criminal charges against him, regardless of the outcome, 
if the witness is aware of any evidence suggesting his or her bias against the target, subject, or defense. Whoops. Would that be a gang database? Or multiple people being stopped with the same amount of drugs on them? Target, subject, or defendant. Notice the verbiage. They're used in three different contexts because those are the things that are going to be used in your indictment. Those are the things that are going to be used in the police report. Target, subject, or defendant. Stock language. If the witness is aware of any findings of misconduct, allegations, or pending investigations of misconduct similar to circumstances or potential defense in the case such as coercion, you know, as a traffic stop is designed to coerce. It's designed to solicit a false confession. Entrapment. Mishandling evidence, you know, chain of custody or use of force goes back to coercion. Because they love to use the stock language of stop resisting. Stop resisting. He's going for my gun. He was attacking us with his hands on his side with four people laying on his back. If the witness is aware of any prior findings by a court concerning that the witness may have impact the witness concerning the witness that may impact on the witness's credibility. Basically, have you perjured yourself in court before? Or have you used the exact same testimony in court before? Why? Because he's repeating stock language. Incentivize to create crimes. If the witness is aware of any negative allegations or opinions about the witness, reputation, or character that have been in media, stories, or otherwise publicly aired. Now, outside of these six officers, Braxton Shaw, Michael Koblenz, Nicholas Martinez, Renee Braga, Raul Europe and Julio Garcia. There are 17 other officers that are involved in this gang task force. Just that task force. All the credibility is shot. Why? Because you have six out of 23 officers that have done the exact same thing. Six out of 23. I'm not sure what you look at, but that's an entirely higher number than it absolutely should be. On any level. That's high. But just like the young man said in the Richmond, Virginia police officer, we all do it because that's how we're trained. That's how we're incentivized. That's how we get our bonuses. That's how they're making over $100,000 a year. Because stock language. Because they're creating illegal activity. When they're criminalizing life. And it's easier to do paperwork on someone that's dead than it is someone that actually can fight back. These are the things that I'm not giving you an opinion. You can call it what it is. You can call me what you like. Does not change this decision in 1972. With that being said, I want you guys to understand the fight begins and there is a step-by-step -step process in order for you to be effective. You have an opportunity to do what's necessary 
to be greater than you are today. That can get you beyond your tomorrow and also protect not only yourself, but those that are around you. That is my mission. That is my goal. That is why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this because, oh, I hate police officers. I hate bad policing. Because there are several police officers that are around me that I love. There are several police officers that I can actually thank for helping me get in a different direction. Because I actually even told you guys, the first when I got out of prison, the first person that helped me get a job was a police officer. And it wasn't because I wasn't intelligent, because I had a lot of certifications. The problem was, I just got out of prison. They didn't call me slave no more. They called me criminal. They didn't care that I was educated. Most of them told me, you're overqualified. Why are you so old? Why do you want to work here? You're so overqualified. Police officer. Who still checks on me to this day. It's 20 plus years ago. He still checks on me today. Matter of fact, he sent me an email two days ago. Understanding. I have a brother that's a police officer. Several friends that are police officers. I have an uncle that I go eat with except for this Thanksgiving. I miss your uncle, but... I don't hate police officers. I don't hate the uniform. I hate bad policing. I hate the fact that you have these people with a perceived power that don't understand what their power is or how to even use it. Why? Because they're trained to not abide by law. Yet they're called law enforcement. And then they're upset. Why? Because we're being punished for doing what we are trained to do. Yet the police reform bill does not ask for them to be retrained or even better trained or even better informed. Now my question to you is Whose fault is that?